I'm completely appled out, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try to curtail most conversations about that kind of stuff today. Are you in? Well, see, I thought we'd kind of go the other direction, and we would try to top this week's three-hour-long episode of the talk show. I've literally listened to I think ten hours of lukewarm takes about like I I don't I don't need this. So we'll 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 we'll, we'll do some things, but let, let's let's talk about important stuff first. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's that's fine. Okay. So I want to know cause some of our best episodes have actually ended up being about food. So I want to know something. <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can to avoid talking about like bad LTE on the Apple Watch or something. So this was a little bit of a shower thought this morning. What? What? Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Hmm? You've never heard that expression? I don't believe so. No. A shower thought? Is that what you said? Yeah. like, Or it could also be like a daydream thought. Like just something like where like when you have like just nothing else to think about, you just kind of like think like some spacey stuff. This is totally a term. Okay. Let, yeah. Well, let, let's let's come back to that. Okay. <laughs> um god what, like what what food do you enjoy that you can only enjoy because it's with something else and if you don't know what i mean i will give an example hmm. and you can't just say uh cheese and wine or something some nonsense like that huh you're, you're putting me on the spot a little bit um i i would say that and this is kind of a shout out to our our friend of the show darth i i would say that i do not generally just enjoy eating French fries by themselves. Like I would want the French fries ideally paired with a hamburger or at the very least, you know, some type of sandwich. Is that, is that kind of what you mean? Kind of, but not really. But, uh, but also I dispute all of this. Like what, you've never had, Jesus, Jesus, you've never had kind of a stressful day where you're like, I just need some French fries and you just, <laughs> like I would like sometimes I'll try to like, and a high, not high class it, but like I'll, like maybe try to make it like an in and out or super duper. I, I try to avoid just go, like I, I will never. So I know I'm, I'm doing a lot of rambling stuff because I'm trying to avoid. Like I will never. I have standards. I will not go to a McDonald's drive through. If I'm gonna have a, a large McDonald's French fry, I will get my American butt out of my car and go walk in <laughs> and be like, goddamn gentleman, and, and order my my sadness fry but yeah i know i th fries are good on their own man oh i yeah i don't i don't dispute that i just think that when i eat a thing of fries i want i want something to go with it yeah well so like that is a good pairing thing like so like i i will bring up like the best one of the best things in the world that you can buy or that you can have is is a blue barn clubber and and some fries very very good combo does Hold on, wait. Does Blue Barn do French fries? Oh, what is that? Is that like an off-menu thing? No. Let's let's call up your understudy. What what is this? Yes, Blue Barn has fries. Here's the thing. Have really? we? No, hold we've on. talked about this. No, hold on. Because there's been a, a in in Marin. There's like I think Blue Barn opened in like 2013, and then they launched with fries as part of their thing, and then they went away for a while, and I was super sad. And then they're like, "Yeah, we had a." <laughs> I think I was talking to like like the manager. Like I wasn't complaining, but I was talking about like one of the owners of the manager, and like yeah, we had like a separate fry chef. And I'm like that that seems really weird. So they're like yeah, we're not we're not we're not doing fries anymore. And hey, then wait, hold on, they have they have hamburgers too. What what is well, happening? No, you, is, you, is this, you, is this new? No, you've told stop. You you've told me about this. You were the one who said yes. Blue Barn even has hamburgers at certain locations, and I was like, you're out of your mind. You brought this up. 
I have no, I have no memory of that. It, it, it's just apparently at the, the Chestnut Street location. Hmm. Okay, I, I didn't mean it to, to derail our original derailment. So the, the French fries are these available at all locations? I don't. <laughs> they're important. They're they're available at the one that matters to me. So. Um, yeah. So in oh god oh no yeah at the one that I normally go to. Um, yeah, the side sides, you've got your side salad, you've got your side Caesar, or you've got your French fries. So huh. they're very good. Um, I yeah, can't, and they're only, well, yeah, sure. And it, of course, not only do I not know that there's the French fries, but it's like the one reasonable thing on the menu at two seventy five. If you go, I think they'll say a perfect, a perfect pairing with your twelve seventy five clubber. It's fine. And sometimes if I'm like, if I'm like, no, I'm going to be healthy. I will then get my if, well, and, and there's the thing about the seasonal salads. They have a really good salad called. Have have we devoted like at least thirty minutes to talking about Blue Barn on at least five different episodes? I feel like we have. That's that sounds that sounds about right. Yeah, I think, I, and I think that sounds like what what it deserves. So, like, they have a seasonal salad called the winter salad that is that is the best, but it is not winter right now, so therefore you cannot order it. So that that's always a thorn in my side. But when you get a salad, sometimes you're like, no, I'm doing the right thing. I deserve some French fries, and then it all evens out. Salad and French fries, okay? Yeah, I'm. Well, because the thing is, like, their salads hmm. uh, like kind of costly, but also it's too like their salad is. Like, yeah, I would say six sixteen ninety five is kind of costly. No, it's it's fourteen for the winter salad. <laughs> like the the well, the cobber sixteen ninety five. Well, the the cobber is a salad. Nobody should uh, get eggs out of uh, keep eggs out of salads. Really? Oh, the cobber I think is my favorite salad from there. Mm. Except it's confusing because you got to be real careful ordering between the cobber and the clubber. Very different. Well, but here's the thing: if you order the cobber and they make a mistake, they just saved your life, or they just that you just got an upgrade. <laughs> it's like when the restaurant brings you better, better wine than you ordered, and you're like, "I'm okay with this." Um, what, the, what was that timeout? Yeah. So, like, yeah, you have to get like the the salads are definitely like it's it's either. The ideal thing is to order a salad and a sandwich and split it with another person, and it's the perfect amount of food for two people. Or the salad is two servings, but then yeah, you get you get some fries to reward yourself. So you know, not only does uh, Blue Barn not sponsor this show, but I would probably say that every single time that we've had a long conversation about it on the show, I've gone and gotten Blue Barn like in the next one or two days following. Well, here we didn't so. I don't want to compromise like your privacy or any of that kind of stuff, but like you know, Equifax and stuff. No, nobody cares. Uh-huh. Um, I, I assume Equifax is like it's, li- it's all it's all out there. It's out there. Anyway. No, they're live tweeting how many times you've how many times you've been to Blue Barn, um, yeah, and uh-huh. and how. Wait, let me let me think. What what is probably one of your vices? I don't know. Uh, how, how many uh, sharks jerseys you've bought? In? I don't know or purchased. Sorry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, what was I saying? I'm not sure. App something about Apple. Were we, no, were we talking no. about last week's event? God damn, we're, we're, we're not talking <laughs> about Apple. Um, what was I talking about? Which one are you? Um, it's fine. I still haven't tried their. They have a fried chicken thing on Wednesdays, at least at the Maroon location. So that always God, seems like what? a good solid pick. Is I feel is this like? Hmm. Well, I guess the fries are actually on the menu, but. I feel like there's like this whole side of Blue Barn I just don't I don't know about. You're just you're just not far enough into this. You got you got to 
uh, see see where got chase the dragon. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, I'll con- I'll concede on shower thought, but I don't think chase the dragon's a phrase. Oh no, that totally is. I just think it's an inappropriate phrase. Um, hmm. Okay, let's let's move on. <laughs> please that, please then. don't Google it, anybody. No, I'm um, not going to. Uh, oh no, you were saying something about like that. Um, oh no, that you you had been you go to Blue Barn. You're probably going to go to Blue Barn after uh, within a week of this. But no, wasn't oh, one I, of the things that I you? Would, I would say probably, probably like tomorrow. You're, you're going to break in. You're going to do. A, you're going <laughs> to pull a Watergate because they close at eight thirty for some reason. Ugh, I know. Um, madness. I think I think it's actually um, I think it's actually eight Jeez. at the location near me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So no, but I think so. You uh, not to compromise your security. Oh, that's where that's where that fax thing came in. Um, you went on a slightly extended off the grid uh, trip, um, like a month ago, and I think you said one of the things you did first when you got back to civilization was go to Blue Barn. And that was the, literally the very first thing we did. We called in the order on our way back from the airport, and then dropped off our bags, and then went to pick up the food. Think of how much better it could have been if you split a fry with your with your special lady. I well, I know I one hundred percent would be regularly getting these fries if I knew about them. I just did not know this was a thing. I feel I feel like an idiot. Oh no, it's just you're like somebody's showing you the way. <laughs> you're like my sensei. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no. Um, going back to the original thing. So no, so. Yeah, I, do, I don't think what was what was what was the original thing? the the food that has to be with something else. Oh right. Yeah, I th- I don't think fries cut it, man. Um, okay, well, g- so give me. You had actually offered to give me an example, and I I kind of I didn't take your offer, and then look look where that led us. So what what's your no? It's fine. what's your example? But again, I think I think Darth would really agree with me on my on my sadness fry thing. Well, so we've I mean, we've talked about for me that's a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Yeah, but that feel uh, for me that feels too. Um, so whenever, <laughs> whenever I try not to do that, just because I, I, I'm I'm a bad well, I eater. Mean, I, I I try not to do it, too, but I think I try and succeed. Successful. I think I try to not, and I succeed at not uh, fairly frequently. But um, yeah, like if that ever happens, I try to leave at least um, a sixth of the thing behind, so I feel like I'm not a complete piece of shit. <laughs> anyway um so yeah my, mine or my example is uh oreos oreos are absolutely disgusting if you don't have them dunked uh for like eight seconds in milk um i i would not say they're disgusting but i Inedible. but i agree with you that they're mm, i don't i don't agree with that but i, I do agree they're very good dunked in milk but I, I think they're they're perfectly fine in fact i would say they're good oh. on their own as well Oh, I, I, okay. Let let let's we'll we'll let we'll let's let's leave that there and let people people decide and, and silently judge. Um, but so, would you are you on board with the abomination that is a double stuff Oreo? Um, double stuff is not not my my favorite. No. Okay. I've been into so Oreos. I I don't know when this started, but. At some point, they just went absolutely crazy with the fl- flavor selection. They're like, so they're like you know, Lay's now, where there's like these f- funky flavors all the time. 
Yeah. So periodically, as I'm grocery shopping, I'll, I'll take a look to see like what's out there, and if I see a new exciting flavor, I'll I'll pick up a bag. Um, and they had so you yeah, as you know, I'm a big big um, Dunkin' Donuts coffee fan, and they recently released a Dunkin' Donuts Oreo, which is very very good. Highly recommend that one. Um. I've had my eyes out for they just came out with an apple pie Oreo. Uh, um which has gotten very very good reviews. So I'm What does Cable think? And you know what I'm talking about, right? Um maybe I don't. Okay. So just a quick side note. Like there's there's um I don't know if he's the owner or one of the founders of Panic Software in uh, portland uh that makes transmit the best ftp and file transfer program in the world for os 10 uh he is like a gigantic uh junk food connoisseur so he will always uh seek out like the wacky like kit kat and oreo flavors and stuff like that and we'll we'll give good reviews on twitter so yeah keep your eye out for that okay so the dunkin donut ones are you saying that that's a good standalone or made better with milk I have to admit, I did not try dunking that flavor in milk. Hmm. Okay. All right. So that, that that was my main point. So you can't think of anything else that um, is really only good with something else. Um, I would I would say I would say if I'm gonna eat just like plain eggs or some type of relatively bland like egg scramble or something similar. Mm -hmm. I need I need ketchup. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm sorry I keep disappointing you with these answers, but no, it's 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 it's, can't can't change who I am. It's it's totally okay. Uh, I just had some instant flashbacks to to somebody who who really enjoys well done steak and lots of ketchup. Oh, (laughs) I apologize. Um. I mean, I could, uh, I was just thinking the only, the only other example that I have is, um, Trader Joe's has these, uh, chicken samosas that are mini samosas that are very good, but they absolutely have to have orange sauce. And I totally forgot I'm out of orange sauce. So now I have, probably have to go to San Jose today or tomorrow. Yeah. We, we, I had to, you know, I bought those, the two bottles when we went and I only got through one and I, I wasn't sure how long to push the expiration date on the other one. I'd say six weeks at most. Yeah, so we we toss that. That's okay. You just gotta have one for the office and one for home, and then you you know, live your best yeah. life. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, what else is there? Um, you know what I'm thankful for? What's that? Uh, so we, we that pod is still not catching on the way people wanted to at least in our circles like specifically like the relay and like does does gruber use the word pod yet or no i think he was borderline i think he uses it more ironically he acknowledges that it's a thing and yeah sort of just ironically uses it but doesn't doesn't really use it yeah like like jody avrigan has so much a positive carmine credit built up with me but his his emergency pot thing oh yeah. it's it's a, it's a little challenging yeah i think you can kind of separate who uses pod versus who uses podcast based on politics versus when, tech 
No, more so the newness of the of the podcast. Meaning mm. newer newer mm. podcasts I think use pod and original or you know OG podcasts as, as you would say are are more um more likely to use podcast. And then the real OGs use netcast. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Netcast you love from people you trust. No, no, we're not we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh I assume somebody listens to that. I just don't know who. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um but yeah, like the 538 people do and, and the marketplace guy is starting to do that too now. Um I have still managed to avoid listening to um Pod Save America. And I think that's a wise choice. Yeah, that one kind of slipped out of my rotation. It seems really into itself, but that's some, from somebody who hasn't listened to it, who just sees whoever John Favreau, but not the movie one. Is I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I I listened to it for a while, but it, yeah, I if I'm when I'm doing the political podcast thing, it's gonna be the five thirty eight podcast or um, an episode of Fresh Air. Yeah, gotta get my uh, my main. Uh, uh, my favorite people, and and also Claire, who is absolutely the best. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago uh, when she brought out? Um, I think she said like fifty-two laws of like what was it? Uh, fifty-two like like chain of power like uh, maxims or something. Do you remember? Oh this? yeah, I do. And then Jody teased that she would do one an episode, and then they haven't done that, which <laughs> made me super sad. But one yeah. of the ones she brought up was that uh, Mike Pence never outshines the leader, or something like that. It was, it was, it was very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, the things we're doing to not talk about Apple. Um, yeah, let's let's uh, let's get into some actual stuff. Unless you have anything else? Uh, no, I, I think um, I think I do. I do have a little bit of follow up, but it is Apple event related. Okay, so we'll push that back a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, oh, the other thing is, uh, Glenn Thrush is, valid- is validating my strategy. Did you see this? Uh, which, which strategy is that? So Glenn Thrush quit Twitter. He did? Yes. He was, he was a pretty big presence on Twitter, wasn't he? I think he was. He had like 350,000 followers, so a few less than me. Um, just, just a couple, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I no. Uh, he he deleted it because he called it a distraction, which I wholly endorse. And like to give somebody like a like a like a, a tiny like chef special like up front, um, like this is this is the 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 warm bread and, I mean, and the, no the no we're not using that. that that's 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 a special offline thing. <laughs> um, uh, uh, deleting Twitter from your phone and limiting the amount of time you can use it on other means is really really worthwhile like it's super worthwhile i am way less angry and outraged throughout the day i i so heartily endorse it people should do it i do miss out on some of the darth stuff but luckily thanks to you that trickles in over slack and then when i'm on the computer um twitter's like while you are away algorithm usually surfaces the stuff i would have cared about anyway so I don't feel like I missed out on a ton, and I'm just way less anxious and like compulsively checking my phone throughout the day. So I think this is like totally like 
life hacky thing. Like, just get it off your phone. Hmm. I guess to play devil's advocate or to at least justify my constant use of Twitter <laughs> is, you know, we've talked about how we and I think many others felt that we were perhaps a bit too disengaged these last couple of years or slash last eight years. So and I, I feel like Twitter kind of really helps keep me keep me plugged into everything. I think the key the key really is just following the right people. Because that's what's I think unique about Twitter is well, and maybe it's what's bad about Twitter too, but that's a whole different <laughs> conversation. But the ability to really hone in on the stuff that you care about and wanna, you know, stay stay plugged into. I think I, I think what I've been thinking about lately is not quitting Twitter, but I have thought about really doing a, a deep scrub of who I follow. So I get that, and I think that's a really good point. Like, I... Yeah, like, I, th I think, like, I have, over time, like, grown to, like, be like, you know, the, the unfollow button is right there. If you don't want to see it, you can easily just, like, unfollow it. And I know that can, at times, like, reinforce, like, an echo chamber or, like, a bubble of, of like, where just, like, it's only, like, narrow band thoughts that you agree with, but eh, it kind of works. But, um, so, yeah, so I think, like, cultivating people you follow it, like, closely and carefully is a really good thing but like the one thing i like i managed to escape the fact and not know that the president retweeted a thing of him hitting a golf ball at, at hillary clinton and you know what like that for my weekend was beneficial i already knew the president was a piece of shit and i didn't need like that i don't see the benefit of having spent an hour of everybody giving their hot takes about that awfulness yeah, and I I I see your point, I and mean, I think it's it's totally valid. It's even with a, a carefully curated follow list, it is difficult to completely tune out the noise. But that's been, I guess, that's been true of mediums before Twitter too. I mean, if you think about watching cable, which I certainly did a lot more of when I was in, say, middle school and, and high school than I do now. You know, even if you're just sort of watching channels that you think are going to be of most interest to you, you're still inevi inevitably going to get that 10-minute segment somewhere that's just complete junk. Yeah, but I just think Twitter is slightly different in the fact that it's just kind of like, I don't know if it's like me, but like it was either like TweetBot was always like open in like the left-hand side of my Mac, or like even though like Windows would overlap on it, or like or like it would just be like, I got nothing to do or I'm waiting in line and I just opened up and I'd see like just things that I that just don't need my attention. And here's the thing, like we, we can, people can, if, if, if this ever becomes a show where people binge watch or binge listen, like they can see in, in four weeks when I'm back on this and, and I'm, Oh uh, yeah. I look, so, I look forward to that. So like claim chowder or, or whatever uh, daring fireball uses. But for now I'm again, living my best life. No, I, I've told you offline, and maybe I've told you on the show. I think it's a, it's a very noble goal, and I think it's it's a it's a it's a great thing to try to do. And I I wish you the best of luck. It's working, man. And again, another like micro chef special. If you don't already use uh, Little Snitch, which is a Mac app for like controlling network traffic, you can very very easily block entire domain names uh, from a, a, a like a, a computer level. So, and that's finally broken my habit of just like choosing to just type in and go to facebook and twitter whenever i don't have anything to do so 
Good times. That's like it's a good that's a good app icon. Which one? I'll put a the little snitch. Oh, we'll are you? In the, oh, yeah, the little propeller beanie thing. Yeah, we'll put this in the notes. Yeah, pretty good. It's kind of expensive, but it's worth it. Um, so Mike Isaac is writing a book about Uber. So Mike Isaac is one of the lead reporters on this. He's covered uh, ride sharing and transportation for the the failing New York Times for the past year and a half or so. He's broken a ton, a ton of news. Um, probably maybe only um, matched by Kara Swisher at Recode in terms of like big scoops on Uber and Lyft. Um, yeah, so he's writing a book about the whole Uber saga, which should be uh, coming out next year. So unfortunately, this year's Christmas is not entirely solved, but next year... Uh, you know what you're getting for either your anniversary, Christmas, birthday, Rosh Hashanah, wh- whatever happens to be in <laughs> when it comes out, you will be getting hopefully a signed copy, and and you can put you can put it up on your bookshelf. Oh, that would yeah, that'd be neat if he. I, I assume he'll do some type of book event. Yeah, he he seems like a chill guy. Yeah, he's got a great dog. What does um, he have? Oh, he's so. Ah, God damn it! I would have to unblock Twitter to look this up. But, um, <laughs> so when, when see, he anna- see, see the see the value of Twitter. Well, no. But here's the thing. Now, like, there's that friction where now I have to open up little the com- configuration on little snitch and open it up. So now, let me go to Twitter. So when um, I think I fave this uh, when he announced that he was writing a book, Darth, because again, I I enjoy how much um, these things overlap. Uh, did like a, a mock-up of a book jacket for him uh, where it was his Bernese, uh, Bernese or Burmese uh, mountain dog uh, as the author. So let me see if I can find it. Oh man, these are good dogs. Um, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll put it in the, in the thing so you can put it in the show notes so people can find it. But it, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so what's your uh, what's your pick of the week, or what's your, your follow up? Well, it's all Apple event related, so I'm not I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say. Uh, you you barely are. I don't know. Okay, well, like it's a cu- couple couple quick hits. Will you will you, will you allow it? Oh, you 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 have final cut on this. Like you're you're the Kubrick of this whole thing. Yeah, that's true. Um. So with the Apple Watch, I think we both were a little harsh on the fact that they are continuing to sell the Series 1 at the lower price and not the Series 2. And I had completely forgotten that the Series 1 got the same processor bump that the Series 2 got and that the original processor just remained in kind of what's not officially known, but unofficially known as Series 0. So literally, mm-hmm. the only difference between Series 1 and Series 2 was GPS. And I guess the um, the certified waterproofing, and I think I guess like a slightly brighter screen or something. But in general, very similar devices. So I, that made me feel a little less frustrated that they kept the um, Series 1 around and not, not the Series 2. Okay. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, that's that seems seems sensible. Um, and then you know, I think inevitably uh, on Monday we got the the stories about how the the iPhone eight didn't sell out and how you could still order one in time for the first day of release and how everyone was pointing to um, you know the fact that this was the iPhone ten coming in and just completely making the iPhone eight irrelevant. But I thought 
Gruber, kind of in the midst of that three-hour talk show I referenced earlier, put it really well, which he, he said something to the effect of, you know, Apple sells, you know, hundreds of millions of these devices, and over time, I think there's going to be a pretty healthy mix between the two devices, but this, you know, the people who need the phone the, the day it comes out, that's going to heavily skew towards, you know, the dummies like you and me who are going to wait for the, for the 10. So I thought that was sort of an inevitable turn that was going to happen, but I thought it was a good, good perspective that, that Gruber provided. I, d I dispute that though, because I don't think there's as, <laughs> I don't think there's as many dummies as you and me. Like I, I, I honestly, I think there's a lot of people who are like, oh, day one, like, and, and I want it and I want the absolute best. I don't think there's that many. I think there's a lot like relative to how much business Apple does, but as terms of a percentage of total iPhone sales, I don't think it's actually that much. So I don't, I don't know. I stand by my theory and, and I, and I know it's hard, going to be hard for me to prove this, that the iPhone 10 does is, is a net negative for the entire iPhone equation due to the sales that it's taking away from the iPhone 8 and also the people who are being held back from buying the iPhone 8, but also just don't think it's worth buying a $1,200 phone. All right. Well, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole again. <laughs> I assume we will in like, yeah, let's say 28 minutes. Maybe. Um, some follow-up with the, um, well, I guess it's kind of Apple TV slash the 4K content that's going to be rolling out or is beginning to roll out. Um, so I had completely forgotten that the new iPad Pros, the screens on those are HDR. And it's been confirmed that, in fact, this is a setting that you can enable in the video settings in iOS 11. Um, you can enable HDR video. So when you download movies to your iPad Pro that support HDR for the Apple TV, that HDR is also supported on the iPad Pro, which I, again, had completely forgotten about. Cool. Um, another little tip which had confused me initially, but I, I did some digging and, and think I found the answer. So you'll notice that when you go to iTunes content now and you see content that is 4K and HDR um, enabled, you'll see two different types of HDR. You'll see just HDR and then you'll see Dolby Vision because there's two different um, HDR standards. There's Dolby Vision and then there's HDR10. Um, and our TV supports HDR10. And so I was confused thinking that, wait, does that mean that any iTunes movie that just says it does Dolby Vision, does that mean that it doesn't support HDR10? But that is not the case. And any, any movie or show or whatever on iTunes that supports Dolby Vision will also work on an HDR10 compatible TV like the one that you and I have. Not confusing at all. No, not, not at all. Um, and then the the final piece of follow-up I had from the event, kind of had one, one piece of follow-up from each main product. Uh, with the iPhone, one of the things that I was most horrified by on the iPhone X, and I, and I was reminded on this episode of the talk show um, why I was so horrified or where I got this from, which is when you have the phone in landscape mode and you're watching a video, the first time they demoed that was during the Johnny I video introducing the phone. And the movie that was playing, which I think was Wonder Woman, literally had the notch covering some of the content. And I was just, I was horrified by that. 
But it turns out that it's been confirmed subsequent to the event that the default behavior for video and landscape is to put a black bar on either side of the notch and then have the video end where the notch begins on the left-hand side of the phone. And if you choose, you can double tap to enable the phone to show video across the entire phone where content is both lost behind the notch and on the rounded corners. But that's that's not the default behavior. Thank goodness. Yeah, I don't see who would want that just because you don't, like by enabling that, like you don't really get anything because you'd get like what, like a fourth of an inch of extra like real estate on one of the sides, except you lose 70% of that, like, the actual like area of that increase so that seems to make no sense yeah this this uh, we'll, we'll 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 talk about the notch well i mean like let's get into that that's that's about all the the specific follow-up i, I don't want to make this negative yet <laughs> i think everything about, i've again another thing like 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 half quitting twitter like i i don't i'm not sure i want the iphone 10 mm, you do though I don't though. I think I might get it, but I don't want it. Like I think this. So have you? I you, again. You're you're on Twitter. You're looking at things. You've seen the LG V30, right? Like you've seen the comparisons. Yes. Yeah. So, like, I'm just really frustrated by this design, and and you can tell me all the reasons I'm wrong. And I and I've listened to there's a great ex, uh, episode of exponent recently and like ben thompson is is very smart and he talked about a, lot, a ton of the reasons why he thinks the iphone 10 is gonna be very successful but i think like i think the notch design i understand that it's a distinctive design and distinctiveness uh that screams new helps sell products i totally get that but i think the notch is really dumb like i, I think it's ugly i think it's implemented poorly i think the that mainly the way that it's implemented in the sense that it's not just like if, if it was an OLED screen that had this weird notch in it and they flanked it with like black bars and just used it to um, show signal strength and the time, I think that would be a totally worthwhile compromise, but like it's so ugly and not functional. And I, I don't, get like why they thought this was a good idea based on the amount of work it's going to make third-party developers do to adapt their apps like i don't know if you've seen some of the stuff marco arment uh, who makes overcast has posted about like why this is challenging and why it makes you have to rethink some fundamental parts of your ui for a phone that's probably pretty niche and if apple gets their way will ultimately do away with this weird anachronistic ui element just because like this this is not actually the phone they want to ship it's just something they're doing because they like the technology wasn't available yet and they refuse to make like this small compromise and in doing so are making a gigantic compromise to everything else like i i think the whole like hashtag lean into the notch is is, is so dumb and it's 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 so silly yeah, I I agree with this was um this was Gruber's take, which is I'm not completely um against the idea of having the screen go up on either side of the notch, but what I'm against is that area of the screen being able to use being used for anything. That 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 section should have just been the status bar and then maybe some other limited 
interactions. But the fact that just any sort of regular content can go up into those areas, I think is just a really weird design decision. And I think like that, exactly right. And I think that's exacerbated by like, if you ever think about any like design and use cases uh, that apply to landscape mode, like it is abhorrent and, and ridiculous in landscape mode because you get less usable space than you would on an iPhone 8 just because you have to like you you need like it's it's like again it's like four by three tvs in the 1990s like you you need like safe space and you need like bars on the side and like there's all these weird design decisions just because like they were too proud or not proud enough i I honestly don't know which one it is where they couldn't just put like a status bar or just black that out and again it's an oled screen so you wouldn't even be able to tell Right, yeah, exactly. The the move to OLED seemed to perfectly set up the idea of having there be I, 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 interactive status bar, right? I don't know exactly. They could have come up with some catchy name for it even. Well, I mean, like just like if you look at just the iPhone on the home screen, like just how it looks where you have signal strength and time. Like it could just be that. Like that is a totally acceptable way to kind of say, like, yeah, we we wanted to, we made this beautiful edge-to-edge phone, and you know what? Because we do want to introduce this revolutionary face scanning technology to improve biometrics and uh, make this a cutting-edge phone. Uh, there's this center portion, uh, but we're using the space to its fullest. And but now, like, just because we designers are suggested to lean into the notch. Like there's all this, just, just everything else is so damn weird. And I assume like the like the iPhone 10 is why so much of iOS 11 looks weird. Because like we'll, we'll we'll get into that, but iOS 11 is bugging the hell out of me. Let's no let let's let's get into that actually. So, um, as I'm sure everyone who would listen to this knows, iOS 11, along with watchOS 4 and tvOS 11, came out yesterday. And yeah, I mean, let, let, I think watchOS 4 and tvOS 11, you know, whatever, we can maybe get into some stuff there. But iOS 11, specifically iOS 11 on the iPads, the big news. Um, although I guess, yeah, let's start with the phone because so I think that the two things that really stand out to me on the phone are the notification center slash lock screen behavior and the kind of rounded app open and close animations like those both both of those behavior sets seem like they're catered to the iphone 10 oh, but what, are you, what been... are you doing i'd ne i'd never noticed those weird rounded corners on the animations <laughs> oh. um, yeah, both of these features seem like they're are built for the iphone 10 yet they've been rolled out to all iphones which i just think is is bizarre and, and crazy dude this is like the fedex arrow what why why did you do <laughs> it was like the first thing i noticed i i have to admit i usually with ios releases I, I i i don't really ever mess with the public betas on my phone um and usually you know i'm we're obviously really plugged into it during wwdc and i'll see some occasional headlines throughout the summer but by and large i don't really follow it and then i just sort of you know, wait until it, it comes out in the fall. And so I, it you know, I kind of forget sometimes some of the 
to changes they've made and um I had completely forgotten about the the lock screen notification center merging or whatever and I had forgotten about the whole rounded app thing and both just <laughs> okay so I'm just gonna so a quick uh, pro tip for people because <laughs> they oh god why why did you do that uh settings general accessibility reduce motion and you, <laughs> it cuts all the animations out it still takes the same amount of time but at least you don't get this funky rounded corner business oh yeah that was that was a thing that people did I think I don't remember if it was iOS seven or eight one one of the updates back like when the, uh, the animations took just so long yeah like they're like oh look <laughs> look right. at what look at look at what this a8 can do um uh -huh. but no this is oh man those rounded corners no so this what this totally avoids that oh man but no so and i don't know if you remember the wwdc keynote but um like this this funky so strange um notification center slash lock screen design thing like this actually seems more toned down than i remember compared to what was um shown at wwdc but it's still not good no like because wasn't the thing like I, I could be totally misremembering this but like at wwdc when they showed the thing is like you could or maybe in like beta one of the software like you could actually lock the phone by like doing an additional swipe on notification center I'm pretty sure that was a thing. I don't I don't remember that. Yeah, but I mean like that's weird, but like for me it's like just and I'm not going to I don't want to be that picky, but like do you have your phone in front of you? I do. So go to the phone app. Okay. Which I I, I don't usually do that, but I'll do it here. Like just cycle through the five tabs at the bottom. Okay. Like there are just so many like inconsistent weird ui elements like if you just look at like just the context thing like now you have this whole like apple musicified thing like this gigantic big bold title bar like i don't already know that i'm in contacts then you have like groups above it and then like voicemail like sort of looks normal except it doesn't the keypad looks like the calculator now like this the app like none of it seems like it mixes together or is like a consistent application it, it it just seems like i don't well and you'll notice too again going back to the idea that a lot of these updates seem catered to the new iphone and not the existing iphones where like if you look at your contact screen you know contacts doesn't start until maybe a six of the way down the screen and same with your your favorites. Although favorites, you then have the plus and edit button above that, so that that makes a little bit more sense. But with contacts, it's like literally just. I guess there is the plus button to add an additional contact, but otherwise, there's just a bunch of blank space above that, which, like presumably on the iPhone 10, is sort of like where the around where the notch is. It's just it's 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 very strange. Because I don't see this as because here's the thing when you start once you start scrolling down the list in contacts, it looks like a normal application again. Like it looks like how it should look because you still have in terms of all like the actual functional elements of this, like either doing a search or adding a new contact, that's all still there. It just doesn't look it just doesn't look weird. I don't know. So like this doesn't get pedantic and boring, but I, I, I just worry sometimes when it seems like there's just like new 
like you are like iOS seven was like a fundamental rethink of a lot of things, but this just seems like throwing like an inconsistent coat of paint on stuff that wasn't broken. Yeah. Like like but like on like so let me let me highlight some good stuff. Like I actually so if we go, if you go to the app store instead, other than the funky icon, like I actually think the app store looks really cool now. Or I think like because like for the app store you're either searching for a very specific application which is very easy to do, or you're just there to kind of maybe browse and see what's new. And I think the new App Store, it's kind of like editorial, like kind of more like uh, Apple Music-y approach. Like it's better for discovery. And I think this kind of like card interface and this stuff is actually very, very nice. So I think this is actually a cool... um, evolution and an improvement on the app store and the fact that games and apps are now separated is is really neat so i think that is 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 a great example of some progress that's been made in ios 11 but a lot of the other stuff seems like it was just change for the sake of change yeah no i i agree i i think i was pretty harsh when they first showed the the app store redesign at wwdc thinking that it really was just a a bad clone of Apple Music, which is a design that I don't much care for. But but I totally agree that it, it, with the App Store, it it works. And I, I think you're right in pointing out that it definitely has a more editorialized, if that's a word, feel, which just given how crazy crowded the App Store is now, I think makes a lot of sense. Like this is the problem. I, I know you're not plugged into to this side of things, but this is the problem that Steam has on the PC <laughs> gaming side, where you know it, it it's just because it, it, much like the Apple App Store, it, it's very easy to to submit a, a game to to Steam. There's there's very little um, resistance to do to doing that, and because it's become the most popular platform that's like this self-reinforcing thing where like just everybody wants something on there and it's become just a total mess. And, you know, people have been calling for a redesign of Steam for, for quite a while. And I, I think that Apple was kind of smart in in tackling that with the App Store. There's probably something wrong when I, when you said calling for, I immediately thought of impeachment. Um, <laughs> okay, so like, yeah, that that, that makes, yeah, like, and, and Steam's a good... Um, uh like like uh like counterpointer or, or like or uh contrarian example um so yes yeah, so like i don't know like I, ios 7 like i also like it feels like the animations like a lot of it feels even on a 7 that i like is not out of space and it's not overloaded feels a tiny bit like laggy and like jittery i don't like I don't know if that's just me. Well, this is no. So this is um, we got to talk about first world problems, but um, this is the thing with every iOS update, and it, it's it's a story that I'm surprised doesn't get a little more attention. Maybe it literally is just something that the crazies like me notice. But the latest version of iOS only runs really well on the absolute latest hardware, even the previous year's phone doesn't run the newest version of ios all that well and normally it's something that you know i'll only see for a couple of days and then i'll go out and get the new phone but obviously the timeline this year's a little bit different and we're going to be living with ios 11 on this um now ancient hardware for a little while 
and yeah i mean i i I (laughs) um you know i i don't i don't think what i've seen on ios 11 on my 7 plus is any different than what i've seen with new versions of ios on your old hardware before it's just sort of a sort of a half step slow yeah actually i think reduce uh, reduce motion is actually seems really smart or it's it seems like it, it's it's actually doing a lot of good so mm-hmm. um what what else did i have on ios 11 um yeah i think it's mostly it um i haven't messed around with Sir- oh, oh actually ooh well hold on i'm trying to think it, uh carplay is apple maps got a couple of upgrades it's still not good but it but it now shows you what <laughs> um it now shows you what lane you're supposed to be in which is kind of nice so it has that feature google maps added three years ago okay uh so that's a thing uh siri is supposed to be slightly better i haven't really played around with it much all i did was like play around with the new voices and now mine is the australian guy um so that's fun but otherwise that that's that's a about it the one there was one one other positive um oh like well so i i first put it on my ipad um because i i thought i was going to hold off on the phone except i found out that you can only install watch os 4 when you have ios 11 installed so that didn't last very long it seems cool on the ipad but also i'm not like a big ipad user so you put it on yours a while ago right I well, so I had it on the 9.7 inch iPad that I had earlier in the summer, but I had installed the first public beta, which was kind of a buggy nightmare where the dock would just crash like two or three times a day and I'd have to reboot the iPad for it to come back. Um, and then a little while later, I ended up getting the the 10.5 inch iPad and I didn't end up reinstalling the iOS 11 beta on this device and, and and waited until the final version yesterday to reinstall it so no i I spent a little bit more time with it than you but not not a ton got it like and yeah i i think i'm with you where it, it's hard to say how much value i'm going to get out of a lot of new features just not being a really heavy ipad user like for me there's just not not a ton of situations where i think things like drag and drop and even multitasking to an extent and like the files app, a lot of this stuff, I'm just not like, I, I, it's great that it's there and by all accounts seems like has been implemented really well, but I'm just not sure with the way that I use the iPad, if I'm going to get a, a ton of use out of any of that stuff, but, but we'll see. Yeah. Like based on really brief interactions with it, it seems, it seems very, very snappy. Uh, even on my pro 9.7, which is probably ancient in, tim's tim cook size but like it seems very very fast um i tried messing around with like how you do multitasking and it kind of makes sense i think the animations like uh inhibit how productive or, or like how easy it is to switch between things but i do think it's a lot more flexible um so yeah i think it's i i, I for the people who tr- who are doing the all-in on ipad and like Mike are living the multi-pad lifestyle and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm very happy that they get something that's uh, more powerful and better suited to their needs. Probably still not for me, but that, that is the big story of iOS 11 is it is it's a dramatic rethink of the way um, you use iOS to get things done. 
and it's much more of an iPad than an iPhone release. Um, so yeah, I hope I hope everybody likes it. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the new the new multitasking window. I think it combines the control center in a really smart way that utilizes the extra space that you get with the iPad compared to the phone. Um, again, I haven't used a ton of the multitasking features, but um, you know when I when I do, um, I I find them to work to work really well. Though I'm still confused. I thought wasn't there there is a way or some kind of mode right where you can have three apps at the same time. Yeah, right. And I I'm I'm not clear on exactly how to do that. So you open one app and then you pull one up from the dock that you want to use either in slide over or split view, and then you you do that, and then you can pull up a third, and then it can float and it exists in slide over iPhone like compact view only. So right now I have Safari kind of taking up, you know, two thirds of the of the display, and then I have Slack with the other third. But then if I go to drag, say messages Drag it in the uh, middle. Okay. No, it still just takes over the Safari window. Because I was able to open up Chrome messages and Slack and Chrome and messages are split in side by side view and uh, Slack is in slide over. So no open. Yeah, just let me just swipe that away. No, that totally works. Hmm. Uh, let me try it one more time. Yeah. So just drag it like dead center. Because if you drag it too far to the left or the right, it thinks you're trying to replace one of the split views. Yeah. So the way I did get it to work was to have Safari open first. I dragged messages kind of into the center, so then it was just a little floating window, and then I put Slack up into the slide over area, and then now that's working. So I I don't know, whatever. Yeah, like I I think the three app thing is actually not a legitimate like because Pro- the thing is probably more more of a twelve point nine inch iPad thing. Well, and also it's just not really functional, just because you once you tap like if like if i have text messaging over like as that's like floating slide over window like the moment i tap on anything else it goes away so it's not actually very useful yeah yeah anyway uh again i'm happy i'm happy for the people that have chosen that uh <laughs> um uh, using an ipad as their affliction to not get work done <laughs> Um, so it's like sometimes you, you need, you, sometimes you need a potato sack in life. And if you want to make the iPad that, then Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, <clears throat> now that we've offended everybody, um, um it, uh, Max, the, 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 it just works. Uh, all right. You want to uh, so do you want to talk about my Mac? Oh, hey, okay, well, yeah, we'll get to Apple Watch stuff later. Yeah, yeah. What's? Oh, poor, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, so my my personal 13 uh, inch MacBook Pro from early 2015, the one that we bought kind of around the same time, uh, about about a week ago. I guess yeah, exactly exactly a week ago, like right after we recorded last week's show. I went to use it the next day. And it wouldn't turn on. I had it in my little hinge dock here on the desk. And I thought, ah, well, maybe maybe the, the power connectors. The one thing with this hinge dock is the connectors on the bottom sometimes can get loose. So I thought, ah, maybe the power came undone or something. So I you know, took it out and, and plugged it into a wall charger. But 
noticed that the battery was at 100%. I went, okay, that's weird. But then it was immediately greeted with the, oh, your computer had to shut down because of a problem message. And then was brought to a report that I could send to Apple, which I opened first. And it referenced some type of kernel panic that the machine was experiencing. And then ever since then, every time I wake the computer up out of sleep, when it's been asleep for more than like 30 or 45 minutes, it will crash, restart, and then when it comes back up, will give not always the same exact error message, but it, it always involves some type of kernel panic. Um, and in, in doing some quick Google searching of some of the codes in there and of just kind of a general description of the issue, the consensus is that it's a RAM issue, which makes sense because I've um, reinstalled Mac OS. I even tried installing the GM version of High Sierra. None of that worked. Um, I did, you know, a, a hard drive or a, a disk utility rather um, first aid scan and nothing came back there. So I'm, I'm kind of left assuming that it's the RAM. And if that's the case, then this is kind of the first time that I've gotten bitten by the um, kind of new generation of Apple hardware where everything's soldered on to the main board and, and can't be user replaced, which, you know, kind of a, kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is a bummer, but the thing is like, it seems like it could have, even if the, like the Ram was replaceable, like it could have been something else where it's only just in terms of like the argument of like how, how much of a detriment is Apple's kind of like the logic board or the motherboard or whatever it's called. Like everything's just like an all in one thing. Like how, how bad is like the SSD and the, the Ram being part of that? Um, how problematic is that? Like it, it could have very well been something else. So I th I think that's tricky. Yeah. And I, I'm not, yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm not angry or pointing fingers at that necessarily, but I and I think you make a good point that it, you know, I there were plenty of laptops with RAM and hard drives that could be replaced that had something just go wrong on the motherboard that would be, you know, basically putting someone in the same situation I'm in now, but I don't know, at least with a user replaceable hard drive and RAM, you've got a couple of different fault points that you could potentially replace your way out of <laughs> or a user a uh, serviceable repair where you, you could have the opportunity to break something else and then it'd be totally, <laughs> totally which actually makes you feel better actually like, oh yeah I like, like i, I broke I, this i yeah i did remember i did that to my mac mini and, oh wait know, was it was it you or jason snell who uh you should uh be honored uh who uh took <laughs> apart their mac mini and couldn't get the airport antenna working again that was that was me i think it was also him if we're being honest um well, yeah, I couldn't get that back in, and then I I took it all apart again, and then when I put it back together, it just would not boot. <laughs> oh man! Wait, you didn't fix it? Well, no, I I it, it, it literally would not boot. It wouldn't post. Like literally, no, like and no. You just gave up? Well, yeah. Where is I mean, there it? Where no is it? Can I have it? I I recycled it. Oh, I mean, literally, that no Apple logo, nothing. No, I. You went to the Marina Green, and you're like, ah, screw it. You, <laughs> and you threw it like Job trying to throw the bird into the ocean. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I responsibly recycled it. But, but, um, but no, you're totally right in that. I was bummed out about that, but I was like, yep, 
I messed up. That's my bad. Um, <laughs> whereas with the Mac, it's just like, man, I what this thing's like barely been out of the house. It's just you know just been kind of sitting here on the stand most of the time. Sorry, um, I thought you meant the Mac Mini. I'm like, it's not really a portable computer. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, um yeah so yeah so I, I so i don't know it's you know it, i i can go the whole taking into the genius bar route um but you know i i suspect that that's going to be at a minimum of like a couple hundred bucks maybe more and even if it was only like a couple hundred bucks it's like i, I just don't know if putting that money into this computer really makes sense um so i don't know i'm still kind of Still kind of figuring out figuring out what I'm going to do with that. And it kind of just seems like there's really nothing that I can do like myself. Again, like I've reinstalled macOS. I've done all the hardware diagnostics you can do. Like there's just really not, there's not much I can do. Yeah. I do appreciate you, um, or I, I'm very... Uh... I respect the fact that when you tried to do, when you tried to resolve this and you were thinking about like, can I sell it or uh, do something with it, that you, you were very honest about what, what its condition was. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and even, so even like, so I tried your recommendation, the Mac of all trades and they, they politely said, no, this is, this is not something that we can take. And so I tried, um, Gazelle this morning, but the problem there is that they only have three um three like options for the condition that the machine's in and it's basically like it's not exactly how it's described but it's basically just like bad good and great and the good description is the screen works the battery works the machine powers on and you can install the os that's literally like the four criteria um and i'm like well i mean my machine technically <laughs> make like has all four of those criteria mm -hmm. but then the like the bad condition has some vague reference to like serious like functional defects or something yeah but gazelle i, w I wouldn't feel bad about you taking advantage of because they no they, no they no, give no. so i they give terrible I, I i sent i sent them a note this morning asking like in my situation like what would this fall under so because I like, I actually even thought with like the Mac of all trades, I actually was kind of surprised. I thought they would offer me something because I figured these guys probably have connections where like when they get a machine like mine, they can do some type of quick hardware fix for like. The thing I was like with that is that since the RAM is part of it, I think just like literally the most expensive part of the computer is what would have to be replaced. Yeah. So that I mean, yeah, and that's that's why like even the whole hassle of like the Genius Bar and stuff like Genius I, Grove, <laughs> right. Like why am why am I gonna hassle with that only to be told like I I might be being super generous it actually might be like four or five hundred bucks if I sent this thing in which I mean there's just no way I'm gonna do that. Well, when I when I had image retention on my other MacBook Pro uh, or the delamination thing, uh, allegedly the screen cost replacement was gonna be four hundred dollars for their own issue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But so you and I, you know, we you and I talked a bit about this offline, and I'm sure we've talked about this at one point or another on the show. You know, I I think we're both in agreement that there's a lot of value in having your own personal machine. And I, I tend to agree with that. And so I, I think I, I think I want to probably replace it, but I just, I just don't exactly know. I'm I just don't exactly know what I'm going to replace it with. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, this is logically like 
like the, the this, this 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 is like your deity of choice telling you get an iMac because like, <laughs> I was yeah, I was gonna say this is like, this is the Mac gods you know telling me to get an iMac and I, I mean I mean yes perhaps but I just you know I if I'm being really honest I just I just don't use my home computer a ton you could though like I, like I, like I could like, but... like don't don't be a millennial like don't rely on your work computer for personal community tasks like and then you you could prove definitively like like is is Darth like telling the truth like is it possible to unlock an iMac with an Apple Watch you you could well no I I've no I on my on my MacBook Pro I've seen firsthand exactly what he's talking about and how it only works maybe seventy to eighty percent of the time yeah um I don't know and well. Can we? We'll come back to the Apple Watch stuff, actually, because I was going to say an iMac would be fantastic for photography and and photo editing, and apparently that may or may not be in your future. So let's let's actually go there because apparently you had a thing, um, you you withheld some important information from me. You uh bought a fancy camera, and apparently no longer have a fancy camera. So please fill in all the details for people. So I, I I'm pretty sure I sort of alluded to this. A couple of weeks ago. Um, but yes, I, I did not directly tell you. So before the, the, the houseboat trip that I went on last month, I purchased two cameras. So we've, we've talked about one of them, the, the Olympus TG5 waterproof camera. Again, nothing but great, good things to say about that. Continue to be really pleased. But the other camera that I bought was the Canon SL2, which um, I don't know if it's the t6i or the t7i but one of those two slr cameras that canon makes this is basically a shrunken down version of the innards of of one of those cameras where it's you know it's the same sensor it's it's a lot of the same internals but it's just in a slightly smaller body which makes it a bit more a bit more portable although in practice, I'm not entirely sure that if you just handed me this camera without any context, I would have immediately identified it as being a smaller SLR. It's 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 roughly the same size. Um, you know, so I, I guess maybe you know, so for some context, you know, we've talked a bit off and on about getting more into photography, and it's always something that I've kind of come in and out on. And I thought that, you know, this would be a really good time to sort of to, to get back into it before this trip and before some other things over the next year. Um, and so, you know, really, really thought this was like a good time to to give it a try. And, you know, I, I guess I'd say, you know, some positive things about the the SL2 before getting into kind of all the reasons why it why it didn't work out. Um I know you had kind of expressed some opinions. Maybe they were opinions other people told you about Canon's touch interface not being very good. Um, I actually found it to work really well. I thought the screen was uh, sharp and clear, and I, I felt pretty responsive. They even have this mode that you can put it in where it will kind of guide you through some of the more complicated or manual modes. So when you make adjustments, it will kind of describe what those adjustments do. So there was kind of a lot to like in terms of the um, the interface. Um, <clears throat> the battery life also was really good, which I guess was a complaint on the SL1, but on the SL2, it was was really really good. Um, and then of course, you know, all the all the lens stuff that's sort of just table stakes with these cameras. I mean, the ability to swap out. You know, I bought one of those little like fixed um, pancake lenses, and that was that was neat. Um, 
but you know, I, I like the, at the end of the day, the the thing that I just continually struggled with was comparing the photo taking experience on the SL2 versus the photo taking experience on just the iPhone and how time and time again when it came to things like doing quick editing, obviously having the photo immediately available to me right on the phone then and there. I mean, as we talked about with the Olympus last week, the Canon was similar in that the Wi-Fi integration to the iPhone is just horrible and almost unusable. So having those pictures right then and there, um, and also just sort of, you know, like, sure, these standalone cameras, especially from a like a resolution perspective, are just objectively better than what you get on your iPhone. I would say in most other respects, and, and I'm sure a big part of this is just me being a very, very amateur photographer, but in most other respects, putting the resolution aside, I was getting photos with my iPhone that I felt were just as good as what I was getting on the SL2. Hmm. Um, and, you know, like the, one of the real kickers going back to sort of just like the like ease of use and accessibility is... We, you know, went and visited some family the weekend after we got back and they wanted to see some pictures and I like went to go show them and was like, oh shit. Yeah. None of these are on my, my iPhone or iPad because I took these all on my standalone camera. And like, fortunately I actually had brought my SL2 up with us. So I was able to do that shitty Wi-Fi thing and at least get some of the pictures over to show but like, had I just taken all those pictures on my iPhone, it's like I had done with like the last couple of Europe trips I've done and some other stuff, like they would all just be instantly there. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, it just like, there's all these trade-offs with having a standalone camera, just in the way that I um, kind of use and, and view photos. I mean, we haven't even talked about like the fact that your photos with iCloud or instantly synced across devices and on your Mac and all that stuff. Um, you know, losing all of that for, again, kind of what I felt in most cases, not really getting all that much superior photo quality just, just wasn't worth it. And so, yeah, so I ended up uh, returning the, the SL2. You make very fair points. And I don't think it was like, a terrible device. I mean, that's that's why I sort of made it a point to start out with some of the the positives. I mean, there was definitely definitely a lot to like, but just thinking about the the just general use of the of the camera, it just it just it, the iPhone is just such a better experience, and the, the the better resolution that you get from a standalone camera in most cases just doesn't seem like it's worth it so yeah a very very fair points and this like because this this is like the debate like this like this is like the whole it's the camera you have with you type thing is like always like the like the super annoying like bs thing to say but it, it, it's entirely true and that's not just saying like oh which one did you carry with you it's also like just which one is the fastest the easiest to use and the most functional in terms of sharing and that kind of stuff so like you are like absolutely right like um like when i'm out taking pictures like a lot of times like i am somebody who like i don't think i'm a very good photographer but like i don't i won't exclusively use like the fancy camera 
like I will very frequently like switch off between both where I'm like, you know, like if I think like I'm in a nice place where I'm going to like want to post some stuff to Instagram or like have something on my phone, a lot of times I will take out my uh, like my iPhone and put the other one down for a second and I will have a photo that's 80% as good um, and that will be more functional in the moment. So I think that is something that's 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 just complicated because if you're not really into photography or if you don't think that like you're ever going to take the time to either like polish up an image or do something interesting or like with, with the like high resolution image it is a really tough sell as to whether or not it's worth the extra effort time and expense to have the other camera so no i think those are very logical um takeaways from that from that experience yeah and i that you i think yeah yeah i think you put it you put it better than i did um and i mean i think some other considerations too so like in the context of a trip like i took like bringing a camera like i did like again even though the sl2 is sort of pitched as being this slightly more portable option it's still a huge pain in the ass you you basically either have to have an entirely different bag that you take with you or like what I did was like I had like a little kind of hard case that I could put it in, which I could then put inside my backpack, which didn't really fit all that well. And it meant that I kind of had to have just the lenses sort of in a protected part of the back. It was kind of just like this whole ordeal to to bring the camera. Whereas with maybe the iPhone is just it's just with you, right? Um, so just a, a kind of another another point in the just sort of ease of use column that I. That I think just you know um, makes the iPhone at least for me the the right choice in in most cases, and you know I I think I guess maybe eighty percent is good is is maybe the right way to put it like you did, but I mean man again it, it maybe it's just a a sign of that I'm just not a very good photographer, but again like I feel especially with these these modern iPhones and the the camera improvements that they've gotten over the years especially with things like HDR. So like this Canon had an HDR mode that you could take. And I, I played around with that and, and sort of perfect in like, I, I did it one evening during a sunset, just like this perfect scene for an HDR photo. And I don't know. I just, I just felt the iPhone HDR photos just came out better and brighter than the Canons did. <sighs> yeah. And even too, like the, you know, like kind of like the, the whole fake bokeh thing that the the plus size phone and now the soon the iPhone 10 does when you zoom in absolutely no question that you can see sort of where maybe some of the processing breaks down depending on the photo but for me to get that exact same quality bokeh effect out of a regular SLR and that's again something that I I played around with on the SL2 and maybe is just a testament to my lack of photo skills but I just was never really able to replicate that effect to the same in the same way that the, the iPhone does it. So, you know, for me and just in, in all these use cases, it's just not only is the iPhone way easier to use and then share out your photos and kind of do all kinds of fun things with them, but even just the photos themselves, I, I kind of just kind of thought the iPhone just did better in certain situations. <sighs> Here, here's why I struggle with this because because you're killing me right now. 
like because like this is a really like serious debate like about like what's actually worth it like mm. and i think the other the other thing that i realized too is so again i fully acknowledge that especially in the area of resolution there's no there's no doubt that that an slr or even like a mirrorless any sort of standalone camera is way better but like if i sit there and think about it like 90 percent of the time i'm looking at photos on my iphone or my ipad I very, very rarely look at photos like blown up on a computer or something, or very rarely run into a situation where I'm going to need the photo blown up to a resolution where the resolution difference between the phone and a standalone camera would matter. And so when you think about that, like when I'm just viewing photos on my phone and an iPad, that's sort of another reason why the photos that were taken from those devices just you know, for for my particular use, are, are more than adequate. So I'm I'm going to challenge you here, and I'm going to say, what about if you were giving a slideshow on a 4K television? <laughs> well, but I mean, that's where, you know, so this the iPhone 10, right, is evidently going to do 4K video at 60 frames, which you know, jury's still out on how well that's going to come out. But let's let's assume that that works as advertised. You know the this SL2 only did 1080p video, so and I don't know that I took I took a handful of videos and outside of the fact that it is really really cool to be able to zoom in and out and kind of play with the focus and stuff um, with a with a lens on an SLR while shooting video, I thought the video quality itself was pretty mediocre. And not as not as good as what I would get from my from my iPhone. So that's the thing. Like video on mirrorless or DSLR cameras is bad for ninety five percent of people. Like it's it's really good if you're um, like if, if you know that's what you're gonna do and you have the exact lenses that gives you the effect you want and it could be a really versatile tool and that's why you like you see like like Adam Lissacor and like so many like these like he he's like someone who's really good with that kind of stuff. But like it's just not for regular people. Like the iPhone is the best video camera anybody will ever use. Like it's insane how good they've gotten at making that like just like this high def video recording machine. For camera quality though, so like I did just send you two examples where I'm not sure. Like I think this is where it's kind of super debatable as to like if that difference in image quality is worth it i am still inclined to say yes even though like they're exported at the same quality but it's 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 tough well so but here here's where so i think you're you're making a fair point but here's where i'm going to challenge you is this so correct me if I'm wrong, but this this standalone camera photo, this is from that super crazy high end camera that you rented, right? Well, no, but like this could be done with this could be done with my existing mm. stuff. No, it totally can. Mm. It totally can. Maybe. No, I Maybe. promise you, it can. Because I would I would concede the point that if I were to go out and get some three thousand dollar SLR sure maybe the quality thing would stand out more but i guess i'm for for me as someone who's only ever going to get into uh at least for now it's only ever going to get into like a entry to 
mid-range SLR. That's really where I'm saying the difference between the iPhone and the, and that camera. Like that gap is just it's just too small to be worthwhile. Yeah, I think you have to also the other part that maybe puts this more in favor of like just the phone being a better option. Like you just like photography has to be fun for you. Like it has to not be like you have to I don't know. It has to not just strictly be like a tool for like capturing memories. It has to be something that's maybe more of like like a I don't know, just be more of like an exciting thing for you. Whereas if if it's if like that is secondary to strictly like just capturing memories, I think that's maybe where you'd have less fun or the extra effort just wouldn't be worth it. See, I I do really I do really have fun with photography, but that's what I've sort of found over these last few weeks. Is I I have fun with photography on the iPhone. That's hmm, this is that's more of a philosophical debate where like maybe I would that's that's yeah another one, which is I think it's oh, actually no I'm 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 not going to go down this road because that's gonna not that we have a huge audience but like that that that's gonna anger people like I just think iPhone photography like it's real like because you're just tapping a button most of the time i know a lot of people get into like filters and like you can maybe get custom cameras like uh, custom camera apps for the iphone i think it's i don't know like it, the iphone well, okay but to take it in the other direction i think like the iphone is super unique just because of its size it allows you to use it in a lot of different contexts where another camera just might not be appropriate which allows you to take a lot of cool pictures you might not otherwise have taken so no, I, th- I think actually no, I think it cuts both ways. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy and and proud that you gave it a shot. Um, maybe maybe one day. I don't know. Maybe when you get that iMac, it'll uh, convince you. To... <laughs> I guess the, yeah. I guess the, the the big takeaway from it is I, I I just like I don't feel as if a standalone camera is wrong for everybody, and I, I wouldn't judge anyone for wanting a standalone camera and really enjoying that. I. I guess I just I I found over these last few weeks what I found to be reaffirmed is just what a great photo taking and photo experience device the iPhone is. I think that's something I've really taken for granted, and I I guess just I really had it highlighted to me comparing it to the experience using a standalone camera. Yes, yeah, like yes. So, like, the one thing that people, like, no matter how much anybody can complain about, ah, this new iPhone is not different enough, or this iPhone, eh, the design, and this 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 fake edge-to-edge screen, blah. Like, the one thing that is just relentlessly iterated upon, other than, the, like, the speed of the processor, is the camera quality. And specifically, the one thing that Apple really excels at is that, like, in a, and I bring this up as something that you might not recognize just because, like, you don't use that many Android phones is specifically how bad Android cameras are and how good the iPhone is at just, like, functionally, other than, like, it just never changes in terms of, like, you know, it does the auto exposure, it does the autofocus, and it's just one big button, and it takes a picture. And every software version and every generation of hardware, it gets better and better at being a single touch to get an image that's pretty great. And that's something that Apple doesn't get enough credit for. Yeah, and on top of that, I mean, all the stuff they're doing with software as well. Like, I, 
I think that the the live photo improvements in iOS 11 are super super neat. I mean what, the way what, that you oh can what turn... changed. So you can now. I'm actually I'm playing around with this in real time here. So you can now um, turn a live photo into a loop, which you know I mean whatever that that's not that big of a deal. But you can also change any live photo into a long exposure shot. Um. And there's some really, I have to kind of go through my library to see if there are any that are good good candidates for this. Because you can actually go back and apply these new effects to any live photo um, that you've taken. Um, like that that's that kind of stuff is, is really, really great. Um, and of course, you know, I mentioned the, the way that the bokeh effect works on the plus phone. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about like the the video stuff that again i think has sort of flown under the radar that's gotten has gotten so much better and then there's obviously all the portrait lighting stuff that's coming out with the iphone 10 that i think is really interesting like there's just all these features that continue to get added to the iphone which i think just continues to to close that gap between the phone and and standalone cameras yeah i'll agree with every bit of that except portrait mode (laughs) <laughs> um I'll, i'm gonna be a hater forever like it's because you could you could tell you could tell that it's fake so you can you i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue with that but but also i'm just jealous because i because you have the plus phone i i mean i i would say that i the, there there are zero use cases where a, a good photographer captures a good bokeh effect in 100% of those cases, that was going to be better than what the iPhone does. I'm not going to dispute that at all. But as someone like me, who's not good at pulling off that effect all the time, more often than not, when you compare the bokeh effect between like a real bokeh versus the fake bokeh on the iPhone, I mean, unless you're really looking for it on the iPhone, like IE, you're looking at it on a big screen or you're like zooming into the photo unless you're doing that you it comes out pretty darn good and it it, it depends on a lot of variables like lighting and hair and things like that but in most cases i mean man uh, it's it's pretty impressive yeah all right uh what else what else uh you want to do a little apple watch stuff uh yeah let's do that well so real quick so watch us four came out it's mostly the same uh, we accept it's got a couple of cool and a little bit of annoying features. So you can finally retire the honeycomb thing. It still exists, uh, but you can now get a list view, which is kind of neat. Um, it has this thing where it pushes the audio app you're using into the foreground. And I'm not sure if that thing I told you about auto-wake audio apps actually makes a difference because um, I think it popped up a couple times today. Uh, it's got a Buzz Lightyear um, watch face. I think it's mostly it, man. But the big thing is the new watches that are coming out, which you will have one on Friday, yes? I will, yes. A 42-millimeter space gray aluminum Apple Watch Series 3 with cellular. Yeah. Um, Your 40, 42 steel with cellular? 42 black steel cellular, yeah. So the the reason I bring it up, because we won't actually have anything to really share until next week. Um, and for the software, I'm probably not a good judge because I'm still using it on a Series 0. So everything just loads in beach balls all the time anyway. <laughs> or or whatever, you know, the equivalent of watchOS beach balling, where it just is a weird spinny thing. Even though you're just loading up the timer. What, like, what are you doing? Um, right. 
Um, the embargo for watch reviews uh, lifted this morning, and there were a lot of bad reviews. A lot of... Yeah, yeah, there were. So, uh, so the main points, apparently there's some bug that... And this might... Uh, I apologize if it morphs, morphs into a large topic, but there's a bug apparently where the i sorry the Apple Watch will have issues where it tries to join an unprotected Wi-Fi network that your phone previously trusted, which will prevent it from using LTE. I think is the summary of the problem. Um, so this is weird that Apple wouldn't have found this during testing that it let it go to review units and that basically it's like that this whole thing is getting announced and confirmed that yeah it's a bug and we'll fix it later it's happening after the pre-order but before it actually launches like that just seems so weird and unapple like i i completely agree i i i'm shocked that this wasn't discovered during the the testing process um and i could also see i mean i could totally see how even like a semi like i'm not like if you if you were to give me a review unit of an apple watch it probably would have taken and and i had experienced this issue like it probably would have taken me a while to figure out like what the hell was going on like it's not a completely obvious thing especially for like a more casual user and maybe and maybe even to Apple because like they're they're like they shipped like Joanna uh, from the Wall Street Journal and her colleague like multiple replacement units like they think they got duds like it's like literally the reviewers were the first people to ever encounter this problem and they're like if that many people from the first days of using it are experienced like what is going on well so and I would so I, I would not excuse Apple for this but I would excuse like so like Gruber and his review did not call this out and it wasn't until after Apple put out their announcement or their statement that Gruber then acknowledged it because I think he's similar to me where I just don't think I have that many Wi-Fi um hotspots saved on my phone that require that sort of authentication because I'm just not someone who logs into those types of networks a lot and it's not even because like i'm paranoid about security or anything it's literally just because like more often than not i'm in an area with good lte and i just don't even think about connecting to wi-fi well maybe i misunderstand the problem but i what i thought it was is that the iphone would accidentally treat traditional just open you know like just like all lowercase linksys uh good old blue router no authentication routers as though they were like Starbucks or um, like like hotel Wi-Fi where it says uh, you must accept the terms and conditions before like where it shows that interstitial page and it was treating them like that. So literally any unprotect like non WPA2 network would stall out. No. So your so your iPhone does not automatically connect to any Wi-Fi network without you previously manually trying to connect to it. Well, no. Like what I, what I mean is, any any unprotected network you had previously joined, like not not just any random network, but any unprotected network you knew in the past, it would treat like hotel Wi-Fi and therefore stop everything. Is how I understand the problem. I hmm. So like you, so you, so you're saying that even if a even if a Wi-Fi network didn't have somewhere where you had to input your credentials, that is what I'm under the impression of. Is that it would treat any non-WPA2 network as though you couldn't actually go anywhere 
because it was waiting for that captive login page. No, so no, I, I don't. I don't think that's the case. So in reading Serenity's article, it, she's specifically calling out what they what they refer to as captive networks, meaning a public network with an interstitial login, which prompts terms and conditions or some other type of action that you have to take. Um, no, I, I I don't believe it's the case that when you automatically connect to an unsecured network that you've previously been on that doesn't have one of these interstitial pages that there's any issue. So Apple's statement is, we have discovered that when Apple Watch Series 3 joins unauthenticated Wi-Fi networks without connectivity, it may at times prevent the watch from using cellular. We're investigating a fix for future software release. Yeah, so the the issue is that you're... So like the, I think a, like a really good example of this would be uh, hotel Wi-Fi, where maybe it's a hotel you've stayed at before, you've connected to it by entering, it's usually like your name and your room number or something, and then at some point later, you return to that hotel your phone automatically connects to that Wi-Fi network, but you're not actually going to have network connectivity until you re-enter your credentials. And what's happening is your watch is then piggybacking on on your phone's Wi-Fi, but that Wi-Fi is not going to do anything until you enter your credentials on the phone. So it's it's just a it's just it's it's sloppy. I mean, it's on one hand, I'm glad that it's not like I mean, this is obviously better than if it was like some hardware thing or something that would be harder to fix, but but it's just it's sloppy it is and that just i don't know like i'm not trying to make this into like a big thing but like like there were a whole bunch of features that also slipped from ios 11 so is apple just releasing things before like are they just pushing things because they now know everything has to get released in september or it's gonna get overshadowed like it just seemed really weird and also it just seems disingenuous to like just not like this this now like fair or not this product just seems fully like half baked in my head well, eh, I see, I guess I, I take it the other way where I would say if I'm just a casual consumer and I see all these headlines and I don't really dig into the details about what the issue is, I just see a bunch of bad reviews on the watch. But someone who digs into the details like we do, I, I mean, for me, I'm like, eh, whatever. Like, again, like even for me, like this really isn't going to affect me because I don't really have many of these Wi-Fi networks that I connect to. So Eh, I'm 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 not concerned about it, but but that's not to say that I don't think it's it's an issue for Apple. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. Like I I, I do think it's weird to have a f- new flagship ish product that is this badly reviewed. Like I think there's like a lot of people like e- like because Joanna Stern is not like a sensationalist or anything like that. And to have her kind of like pull a consumer report and say like can't recommend is challenging because she said even beyond this the battery life is not good. Yeah, I'm. I hadn't I hadn't seen that in a ton of other places, so I guess we'll have to to prove that out. I mean, I like if I look at my so my series two Apple Watch, so it's you know it's ten forty p.m. here. I've had it on since. About can't, you can't tell people this. They have to think it's it's noon. <laughs> We're doing this in the light of day with no shame, right? Um, I've I've had my watch on since about seven thirty this morning. Uh, you know, I've been using it as I regularly do throughout the day with a bunch of notifications and things. I went for a run this evening with the exercise app going, and I'm still at fifty nine percent battery life right now. So, you know, 
the series three battery would have to be like really really bad for for me to i think even pay any attention to it and maybe this is just my aging series zero but i'm at 32 percent, and i did not exercise today <laughs> yeah i think um yeah even though it, even though i don't think it was really advertised that way i i feel like i've gotten better battery life with my series uh two i i can on like weekend trips where i'm too lazy to plug the watch in at night if i if i put it into power save mode overnight i can pretty comfortably get through two days without charging it so yeah a weird introduction to this product but who knows um only other thing actually about this uh there was one tweet that i thought that i thought was kind of interesting um, that I think I relayed to you that somebody said, uh, what's more important to Apple sales, good iPhone 10 reviews or good iPhone eight reviews? Or do you understand why, or, or do you uh, like, like, I, like that's a super interesting question because what, what product is going to be the bread and butter of Apple? I still think it's the iPhone eight, but I still, I still kind of think that once we get through this period of where they're both not equally available, like come, let's say, I don't know, January or February of next year when you could just go into the store and get either one of these. I don't think it really matters. If you if you if you if you go in and buy an iPhone, like I, I'm I'm gonna guess that the margins are about the same. And in fact, it might even be better in the eight. Um I I just I don't think I don't think Apple really cares. You're there to buy an iPhone, which is good for them. No, I don't think it's that Apple cares. I think it's that the consumer cares. Like, I, I think specifically that the fact that most every review and what the prevailing wisdom will probably be is that meh to the iPhone 8. But there's a lot of people, again, let's let's step outside a little bit, that think the idea of an $1,150 phone is preposterous, where they're going to be, if the one that was in my reach is meh then just i'm sticking with my iphone 6s or I'll yeah, just see wait i would i would i would just i would completely disagree with that because the consensus to the iphone 7 last year was totally meh no and they, no. they sold more of those than they've sold ever before because the, no the camera was decidedly better there no, was that, that's, it totally well, I'm, was. I'm not so i'm not, i so no hold on i'm not saying what you thought of the phone if you go back and look at the general consensus of the reviews for the iphone 7 it was a bunch of people bitching about how this was the third year in a row this was the same form factor well, and, and now it's the fourth this year was. in a row it's the fourth year in a row but i'm but i'm just i'm making the point that i don't i i i don't think the because I, I think even outside of maybe some really generalist tech reviews, I think most tech reviews very much fall into the whole T-word circle that we joke a lot about. And I, I think people get people just get excited about new iPhones, regardless of what they look like, regardless of what the new features are. When there's a new, when there's a new iPhone, people get excited about it. Um, just, just like Jody says, when it's uh, minute 55, we'll have to leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think everybody who's running short on time has to leave it there. Uh, uh, yeah, the rest of this can be kind of pushed back. Uh, we covered your Mac issues. Yeah, we're, we're, we're running long. Do you want to do your uh, chef special? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I admittedly don't really have a, a great one this week, but um, that's the way it goes sometimes. 
um, sure it's great. we we spent you know we spent some time kind of harping on a lot of the things that we didn't like about iOS 11. But one thing I do really like about iOS 11 is I know it's the gonna be. Re- I don't think you do the redesigned health app. Um, it's not a it's not a complete redesign or anything. Um, but I I more and more am in the health app at least a couple of times a day, and um, it's it's really really nice looking in iOS 11. I, I I guess I don't I don't really have any specific examples of things I can point out to. I guess other than they do call out that like the, the charts and things have been sort of completely revamped. But outside of that, it's it's just a very very nice looking intuitive app. That again is, is become sort of a, a big part of my day, even you know, well predating iOS 11. But now in iOS 11, it's that much nicer to use. Yeah, yeah. A part, yeah, parts of it have been made much nicer. Can I ask you to check something real quick for me to see if if it's a bug on my phone or if it's if it's everybody? Sure. So, are you inside the health app? I am. Okay. Uh, tap on activity. Or sorry, no. Oh. Uh, where is it? Sorry, tap on health data. Tap on health data, yep. And then tap on activity. Tap on activity, yep. Do, like, all in iOS 10, there would always be this welcome video that no matter whether or not you watched it would always take up half the screen. Do you see that as well? Yep. Got it. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. But no, the information density on this, like this does look nicer. Like it used to be super sparse before. This actually looks like it gives you kind of all the relevant stuff uh, up front. So yeah. Cool. And, and this and this is not a new iOS 11 thing, but just it's worth talking about with the health app is, you know, Apple's done a really nice job making it easy for developers to plug into the health app. And so like for me, where I use some of the um, withings, is that how you pronounce it? Um, some of their health stuff, you know, specifically I've got their scale and I've got their, one of the the wristbands that I use for like sleep tracking and their app has always been pretty mediocre. And, you know, they got bought by Nokia and Nokia has taken over all the software development and it's not like the world's worst app, but it's, it's not great either. And the fact that I can just have all that data brought into the health app, which is great is is really nice yeah good uh so i have uh two small ones uh so the first one actually since i want to give some positive news for ios 11 that i totally forgot um have you tried customizing control center yet no i i was going to ask you that so there's well actually we'll make this a super quick mini topic but there's one objectively amazing part of ios 11 that i I wanted to hate on everything all the time, but this one's good. You can customize the four things, like the things at the bottom. And one of them is an inline Apple TV remote. So how do you, how do you do that? Okay. So you go to settings. Yeah. Control center, customize controls, and then hit the plus next to Apple TV remote. And then swipe up from the bottom, tap the Apple TV icon. And then it's a fully functional, always there Apple TV remote. Huh. And it connects really fast. And you don't even, so you don't even need, you don't even need the Apple TV app anymore? I assume it would work. I assume it would work without. I haven't deleted it, but I assume it would work without. Huh. 
yeah, I guess I, I, I knew that. I knew actually did know that was a thing on the iPad. I guess I didn't know that that was on the iPhone too. Oh, and the other part of this is that you can put like, cause I all, all every timer I run is done from my watch, but I do prefer that this of like this eliminates a tap for me every single night is that I can replace the timer shortcut in control center with the alarm clock. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, and then also, what do you think about the audio player in control center? Now that I understand how it works, I like it. Question mark. Um, (laughs) Okay. Cause cause you can, you can hit play and that's, that's easy. And it actually uses force touch really well to kind of pop out the player. Um, so I think I mostly like it. Yeah, I always hated, hated, hated having to do that swipe over for um to like change to like alter some stuff on a podcast. And then of course the moment I needed to actually ever use Control Center for like the controlly stuff, it would that would be the one time it actually remembered that I was on the audio page. And anytime I wanted to change a podcast thing, it'd be on the wrong screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I guess one little PSA for people, and we'll put a link to this in the notes. Um so one thing that's been in Control Center for a while and continues to be is the ability to quickly turn um, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth on or off. So that, that behavior's changed a little bit in iOS 11, where when you turn Wi-Fi or Bluetooth off from the Control Center, it doesn't actually turn either of those radios completely off. And, and what I mean by that is things like your Apple Watch and your AirPods and seemingly or airdrop as well seemingly and seemingly any sort of apple hardware or apple service will continue to work um this back rumors article that i'll I'll put in the notes also talks about the apple pencil will continue to work i actually think that's fine i'm i'm i i I have no issue with that but I, i i could see where maybe some people would yeah, I never love stuff that doesn't do what it says it's going to do. But when sometimes like you try to, they try to out engineer it for better things. It it could go either way. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then my other uh quick pick that I'm gonna bring uh, that I'm gonna bring up is something I actually don't remember if I've made a pick uh, or put on the menu before. But um, it's called it's an iOS app called Firefox Focus that um. It's a like super simple um like single instance web browser that also happens to be a content blocker for iOS 11 or iOS of any kind. Um so yeah, so it uh will block like tracking scripts and stuff like that and uh overly intrusive ads uh inside of Safari, but also if you ever just kind of want to open up a single page on your phone and not have it like affect your browsing history or um anything like that or have to like clear history it is nice yeah so highly endorsed yeah with the release of safari 11 i think is the version that came out Mm -hmm. with its focus on privacy that sort of um kind of got me into thinking about that again and kind of rethinking my privacy strategy with web browsers and so yeah i I put this on my iphone at, at your recommendation yesterday and um yeah so far have been so far been pretty happy with it uh and not not to prolong this podcast but like can can you uh, I, I just want a quick judgment call do you like when an application is allowed to say i own this domain and therefore safari 
can dump me into an application whether I want to or not? No, I hate that. And do you know which two websites I'm talking about? Uh, Bleacher Report? Oh, I was going to say Bloomberg and the New York Times. Hmm. Yeah, I that drives me drives me crazy, especially when you already have the app installed. It's like, come on, I yeah, I, I know you, I know you have an app. And here's the worst part: is that with Bloomberg, their share button is broken. So anytime I have a Bloomberg article that I got off of TechMeme and that I want to put into Slack, it crashes every time. And therefore, I have to go to the Bloomberg app, hit open in Safari, and that time it does not put me back into the application, and then do the share button. It's madness. <laughs> 